Let's open our Bible to 2 Kings chapter 2 and let's let that be our prayer that the Lord will fill our cup. How many of you have told your sweethearts today she's pretty? Have you done that? Turn over and look at your sweetheart and say you're pretty. Do that. Look at your sweetheart and say you're pretty. And then wives, I don't want you to lie. Just look over and say thank you. All right? Just That's all you need to do. But, uh, let me just make uh, mention here before we get into Scripture that uh, we will need to uh, cancel our Golden Agers meeting in the morning. They have just a little bit of work to do. The weather has prevented them from being able to get to it. It's outside work, but they should be able to get it done in the morning, and we, we may not have it done by time. So uh, we'll go ahead and cancel that tomorrow, and they can reschedule everything. So you help me, Golden Agers, for those who come from other places uh, to be a part of our Golden Agers meeting every month. If you would go home and call them or get up in the morning and call them and let them know uh, that uh, we're getting some work done and that they'll have power on tomorrow afternoon. But if you'll do that, I'd appreciate it so much. As stand as we honor the reading of his word, I want you to look at 2 Kings 2. And for a number of weeks, we've been looking at the life of Elijah. And in so doing, we have been uh, really highlighting his life, not looking at every little detail, but... Uh, the way I have described it is just we've been traveling with Elijah. We've just been going with him from place to place to place and uh, seeing what God is doing in his life. And uh, we've traveled to several places, but tonight we're going to take our last leg of our journey. And we're going with Elijah to Jordan. Jordan's really a river rather than a place, but it's called the Jordan. And so let's go to Jordan with Elijah tonight. And let me read to you just one verse of Scripture from God's Word, and then we'll consider it within its context. 2 Kings 2, verse 6. 2 Kings 2, verse 6, the Bible said, And Elijah said unto him, that is Elisha, Tarry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, that is Elisha, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. Elijah said in verse 6, The Lord has sent me to Jordan. Thank you. you. may be seated. Let's pray. And then tonight we're going to go to Jordan with Elijah. And we'll conclude our trip with Elijah by going to Jordan tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we do ask you to fill our cups. We're in desperate need of your filling. We need a daily filling of the presence of the Lord. And so, Father, as we come tonight, we thank you, Lord, that if we submit ourselves to you and if we are yours and we are submitted to you, and, Lord, you're able to take charge and control of our life, then we can be filled. And so, Father, won't you take absolute sway tonight, fill us afresh and anew that we might honor you in every little detail. Now, take this last leg of our journey with Elijah and use it in our hearts tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the time we've spent with Elijah. 
Thank you for the wonderful lessons we have learned from the life of this extraordinary man. Our Father tonight in his final scene, his final chapter in his life, give us something that will stir us to be an Elijah in our day. And we'll thank you and praise you for it is in Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake we ask these things. Amen. Again tonight in our journey with Elijah, traveling with Elijah, we come to our final stop with Elijah. During our time that we've been traveling with Elijah, we began when we boarded the bus, we went down to a place called Kareth, and we spent some time in a very barren, isolated place with Elijah. But there we saw the Lord do some wonderful things. After leaving Kareth, we boarded the bus and we made our way to Zarephath. And we saw the Lord do some wonderful things there, not only in the life of Elijah, but in a widow woman and her son, how the Lord met, met both of their needs. After leaving Zarephath, we went up to the mountain of Carmel, Mount Carmel in the Carmel area, and there we stood with the great crowd that gathered as we watched the Lord so vindicate his name and the Lord demonstrate his power. After leaving Carmel, then things took an interesting twist for us. We made our way down to Beersheba, and there we find, found a very discouraged and disillusioned prophet. We left Beersheba in the wilderness and we went to a place of Horab. And there we saw in Horeb the Lord doing some things and continuing to work in the life of Elijah. And there we reminded that God has his ways of dealing with things in our life and what he is doing. In our last trip we went to a place called Abel Mahola. And there we saw God as he began to work in the life of a young man that would take the place of Elijah, a young man by the name of Elisha. We concluded all by coming to a place called Jordan. In fact, as we left Abel Mahola, we've made a lot of quick stops. Chapter 2, verse 1, we find we went through a little place called Gilgal. Chapter 2, verse 2, we went down through Jericho, or Bethel rather, and then chapter 2 and verse 4, went through Jericho, and now we come to Jordan. I put a map up on the screen so you can get an idea about Jordan, and I'll point out in just a second about where we are at tonight in our travels. Jordan, the Hebrew name for Jordan, simply means the descender. That's what the name Jordan or the name Jordan means. Descender has often been called the watering place. It's the chief river in Palestine. It runs right north and south, right down the middle of Palestine in a deep valley throughout the center of the country. The name descender, many believe it comes from the fact that the whole course of the Jordan River, there is a descent to the banks of the river. Its waters originate from the snows of Mount Hermon, which continually feed its perennial springs. Well, you look up on the map, you see the river flowing right down through the dead center of it, north to south. You find the Jordan River. When you get down toward the bottom, you see Jericho and Gilgal. It is my opinion we are just south or just to east of Gilgal there to the Jordan River. In fact, many believe that where Elijah crossed the Jordan River is the same place that the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River as we notice in Joshua chapter 1. But you see there just before the sea and right Gilgal, you see right there, that's where we are tonight. That's where we'll spend the last moments of our trip with Elijah. Again, it's been a long trip. But it's been a very, very exciting trip. There's been some glorious days, but there have been some very, very difficult days as we've been on our journey. At times we've been Elijah when he was shouting, at other times we've been with Elijah when he was pouting. There have been moments that we've seen Elijah at his highest, and there have been moments that we have seen him at his lowest. 
It's all part of the Christian life, the ups and downs, but it all winds up by this, with this glorious scene here at the Jordan River. So I want us to look here at the final moments in Elijah's life or this final leg of our journey, and I want us to look at the last days of his life and just glean a few things that I think will be a blessing to you. Let me just point out three things from this story. First of all, I want you to think with me for a moment how Elijah ended his life. How Elijah ended his life. Again, when you come to 1 Kings or 2 Kings 2, you come to the closing days of the life of Elijah. When you come to our text verse, you come to the closing hours of the life of Elijah. It's all about to end. You might say that the final chapter, the final chapter and this extraordinary biography is about to be written. You come to the end or the closing moments of the ministry of a tremendous man of God. The earth is about to experience a great loss. Heaven is about to experience a great gain. The final curtain is about to fall on an extraordinary drama of an extraordinary life. We come to the end of Elijah's life. And it's fascinating to me that what I see in his life when we come to the end of his life. Now, I need not remind you tonight, but all of us face an appointment. It is an appointment where one day this life as we know it will cease to exist. The Bible tells us that the boundaries have been established by the Lord. There are days that have been determined by the Lord. The Lord has appointed and arranged the length of our life. He knew before we were ever born when we would be born, and the Lord also knew when the end of our days will come. And the end of our life will come at one point or another. It may be by the way of the grave. It may be by the way of the sky. But in either one, there is an appointment that we all have. There is going to be an end of our life. There is going to be that final curtain that is going to fall. The final chapter of each of our lives is going to be written one of these days. Now, the question is, how are we going to end life? I think about the Apostle Paul. Paul came down to the final hours of his life, and this is what he said. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. When Paul come down to the end of his life, there was no regrets. As he looked back over the years that he had known the Lord and the years that he had served the Lord, he doesn't look back with any regret whatsoever. He said, I have fought a good fight. Paul said, I have finished my course. He looks back over life and he has no regrets. He comes to the end of his life. Elijah comes to the end of his life in our text. But how is life ending for Elijah? Let me point out two things, and we can learn from this, and I trust will be our prayer tonight, that our life, whenever it comes to a conclusion, this is the way that it will, conclu will conclude. I want you to notice, first of all, that when you come to the end of the life of Elijah, we see that God is still ruling in his life. When you come to the end of the life of Elijah, God is ruling in his life. For example, look at chapter 2 and notice verse 2. Chapter 2 and verse 2. You notice something here, a very familiar uh, quality that we have seen in the life of Elijah. Verse 2, the Bible said, and Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. You know, one of the first things that we picked up on the life of Elijah at the very beginning, we hadn't been with him but just a few short hours when there was a quality about Elijah that became very, very obvious. There was something that we saw in him and we immediately picked up in the life of Elijah that was fascinating about this man. 
We learned after being with Elijah a very, very short time that Elijah was a man that heard God. Elijah was a man that God talked to. Elijah was a man that God spoke to. And we saw in Elijah's life that he was an individual that listened to what God had to say. He was a man that was all the time hearing God, and he's all the time heeding God. He was a man that God communicated with. I remind you of just a few of them. 1 Kings chapter 17, when we first met Elijah, the Bible said the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, God came to Elijah and said, Now this is what I want you to do. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, I want you to go down to Kareth. And the Bible said, So he went and did according unto the word of God. And right after that, as we went to Zarephath, we went there by the command of God. 1 Kings 17, 8, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise and get thee to Zarephath. And so he arose and went to Zarephath. And he goes on and on and on. One of the first things we picked up about this man, and one of the first things that we noticed, and you couldn't help but notice, that this is a man that was submitted to the Lord. This is a man whom God ruled in his life. This was a man that which God was in control. He was a man that listened to God and he obeyed God. He was submitted to God and God was in authority in his life. God was ruling in his life. And throughout his life, most of the life of Elijah, there was a few times that he went somewhere not at the bidding of God, but most of the time in Elijah's life, he went where he went because guess what God wanted him to do? He was a man submitted to the Lord. Now years have gone by. And we come to our text again and again. At the end of his life, we still find this man hearing from God. Years have gone by and God is still speaking. Years have gone by and Elijah is still hearing. And years have gone by and Elijah is still following. He comes at the end of his life and he's still doing what God wanted him to do. Verse 2 again of 1 Kings, 2 Kings 2. The Bible said, Elijah said, For the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And the latter part of the verse said, So they went down to Bethel. God tells him what to do, and he does it. Look at chapter 2 and verse 4. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here. I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And the latter part of verse 4 said, So they came to Jericho. Chapter 2 and verse 6. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And the latter part of verse 6 said, And they too went on. Here in the end of his life, in the closing hours of his life, we see that quality about Elijah that we met at the very beginning. Here is a man that has walked with God, and now he comes to the concluding hours of his life, and he's still hearing God, and he's still obeying God. God is still in charge in his life. I submit unto you, that's the way you want to end life, isn't it? I mean, you want to end life when it's all said. You don't just start out like, uh, like a firecracker in the beginning and then fizzle out somewhere along the way. No, you want to stay true to God. You met Christ somewhere and He changed your life and made you a new creature and you gave your life to Him and you followed Him. Now follow Him to the day that God takes you home. And may it be said of all of us, when we come down to the closing chapter of our life, may it still be said that God is in charge in our life that we're following the Lord and we're doing what God wants us to do. God is still ruling in his life. There's something else I picked up as I thought about the thought in this chapter. Not only is God ruling in his life, but God, second of all, is real in his life. 
It's very obvious, and again, when we began traveling with Elijah, I mean, immediately we began to see that God was real in the life of Elijah. God, when we first got on the bus, Elijah got on and said, God is sending me to Kareth, and we're going to Kareth. And God sent him down to a barren gorge on the backside of Jericho, not too far from the Jordan River. There in a place totally cut off from everything, totally isolated from everything, no vegetation, no water normally, and but God put him there in a very isolated, barren, rocky gorge. But once we were there, we wasn't long, we began to realize that God was real in the life of Elijah. The only time in that little gorge there that water ever run, the little brook Kareth, uh, was during the summertime or in the wintertime when the snows from Mount Hermon would melt and flow down. But during the summertime, it was just a little parched ditch, no water. But in a time when there was a famine in the land, everything was drying up, no rain. And the most unlikely place that you could ever think to find water, God had water to take care of Elijah. And not only that, but every day ravens flew in. You imagine Elijah, he had it made. The ravens would fly in, Captain Crunch in the morning, Whoppers and, and Dr. Pepper for lunch and, and a veggie lover's pizza at supper time. All he had to do was be there and here they come in, bringing in their food. Now you've got to get all that stuff out of the Hebrew, you know what I mean. But he brought the meal in every day. And he became very clear at the very beginning. Here is a man in which God is real in his life. God is doing something in his life. One day Elijah says, board up, we're going to Zarephath. And we get down to Zarephath and God has picked out a woman there that he's going to use to meet his needs. And when he gets there, he finds out she's got needs. But Elijah knows that if God is going to use her to meet my needs and she's got a need, then God's going to meet her need in order to meet my need. And again, we saw God perform a miracle. And again, we realized that God was real in the life of Elijah. And then we went to Carmel and how exciting that was as we saw Elijah stand up there and pray about 18 words and fire comes down from heaven. Burns up a water-soaked sacrifice. Burns up the water-soaked wood. And not only does it consume the wood and the sacrifice, but it even consumed the stones of the altar and even licked up the dust is around it. And we stood there as everybody began to cry out, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. We saw God working in the life of Elijah. God was real in His life. Everywhere we went with Elijah, God was doing something. Everywhere we went with Him, God was moving and God was working. God was real in the life of Elijah. Now you come to the end of his life. Is God still real in his life? Has Elijah lost anything? He's been serving God for a number of years now, but is God still real? Look at chapter 2 and notice verse 8. Is he real? Look at chapter 2 and verse 8. The Bible said, I love this, and Elijah took off his mantle, kind of like a blanket-type thing pulled around and pulled around in a belt or a girdle to hold it there. The Bible said that he took his mantle, wrapped it together, and he smote the waters. Now, you've got to remember, this is the same place and the same waters that God did the miracle for Joshua when he parted the Jordan River and they crossed over. And I can hear the fish there in the Jordan say, oh no, here comes another. And I remember this before. And the Bible said he wrapped it and smote the waters and they were divided hither and thither so that Elijah and Elisha went over on dry ground. Here again, a man's come to the end of his life and God still real in his life. He's not only a man that has listened to God and followed God down through the years, 
but he's never lost contact with God. He started out with God, he ends up with God. He started out seeing the glory of God, he ends up seeing the glory of God. I don't know about you, but that's the way we want to end our life. We want to end up with God still real in our life. We don't want to go home with memories of how it used to be 10, 15 years ago. May it be when we leave this world, we're still seeing God do something. And we're still seeing God at work. Still saying, God is God and the Lord God of Israel liveth. That's the way we want to end this life. Not in this life of memories of how it used to be. Not in this life uh, losing touch with God. But leaving this world saying, God is still Lord in my life and he's still real in my life. That's how Elijah ended life. I don't know about you. That's the way I want to call it quits. It's all said and done. And I breathe my last. I want people to be able to say that he still was serving God and God was still real in his life. And the same thing in all of our life. That's the way to end life. I've seen too many that somewhere along the way lost it. And they closed out their life in the latter years of their life, kind of like Samson pushing the temple down on top of them and leaving out and pulling down all that they had done right down on top of them. But you want to leave this life with glory in your soul and God real. That's how Elijah ended life. You want to end it that way? Say amen. He ended life. But look at something else. Not only do you see how Elijah ended life, but I want you to see how Elijah exited life. Well, you're talking about somebody having a glorious homecoming. Elijah had a glorious home going. See, Elijah did not die. He's one of the few men in the Bible that did not have to see death. I want you to know Elijah's not the only one that's not going to see death one of these days. There's a whole generation that sometime in the plan and purposes of God on the calendar of God is not going to die. Many of us have lost our loved ones and they, God has taken them home by the way of death. But there's going to be many that will not die. There's coming a glorious day when Jesus Christ will come again and all of those that are alive are going to be caught up and they'll never see death. Elijah gets ready to leave and, and now we find him going out of this world. But notice how he exited and a couple of things about it. For one thing, I see, I think of the time of his exit. It's interesting me, look in chapter 2, verse 3. Bible talks about the sons of the prophets and another way to, to explain the sons of the prophets is these are Bible school students. These are young men that are getting ready for the ministry and they're being trained. And the sons of the prophets that were down there at Bethel Seminary came forth to Elisha and they said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And Elisha said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. Now, I don't know how they knew about it. But for some reason, Elijah has an ideal that things are about to come to a close. Elisha knows it's about to end for the man of God. Even the fellows down there at the Bible school have an ideal. And for some, they come to Elijah. Is it true? Do you know that Elijah's about to leave us? And Elijah says, yes. For some reason, they anticipated it. They inspected it. Chapter 2, verse 5. The Bible said in the sons of the prophets that were Jericho. Down there at the Jericho seminary, they came to Elijah and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? They even know when it's going on. And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. Now here's what I want you to think, think about. This was something Elijah knew was about to happen. He knew it was expected. He knew days before 
that it was going to happen. It even got down. He knew the day in which he was going to go. He sensed it. He anticipated. But you notice in chapter 2 and verse, uh, uh, let's see, verse 11. Look at it. Chapter 2, verse 11. I don't know if I put this verse on the screen, but I want you to know something I, I picked up on as I went home this afternoon down and read just a moment. The Bible said it came to pass as they still went on and talked that behold there appeared a chariot of fire. Notice that. It came to pass as they still went on and talked. Elijah has an, a sense today's the day. Elijah anticipates today's when I'm going to go on. But they're just walking along and talking and all of a sudden there appears a chariot. What is, what is this? Elijah anticipates his home going. He is expecting his home going, but the exact moment of his home going, he did not know. He knew it was drawing nigh. He knew it was drawing near, but the exact moment, he did not know. I want you to understand something. I don't know when I'm leaving, but I really believe this. I'm talking about Jesus coming again. I believe the time is drawing nigh. I believe we're living in anticipation. This could be the day. This could be the hour. We don't know the moment. We don't know the hour. But we live with that blessed expectancy that it's about time for Jesus Christ to come and for us to go home. The time of his exit. But I love, second of all, the transportation of his exit. Notice how God took him out of here. You notice in verse 9, or verse 8 rather, Elijah, or verse 11 again. And the Bible said it came to pass, 2 Kings 2, 11, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. You talking about a heavenly escort and what a ride he got to glory land. I mean, here he is, one man, him and Elijah's walking along, talking. I'm sure he's just opening his heart, sharing with the young man that's about to take his place. At about that time, the sky is split, a split, and his chariot was drawn by horses of fire, come down and sweep down and pick up Elijah and here and carry him on home. Something over there. Felt like I was about to get electrocuted. But there was a transportation of his exit. Are you listening to me? One of these days, our Lord's going to come for us. Now, we may not go out in a chariot, and we may not go out in a, a chariot of fire pulled by horses of fire, but there's going to be a heavenly escort, and there is going to be someone that will take us out of this world. Like Elijah was translated, one of these days we are going to be translated. And like Elijah, I believe we can live every day of our life thinking this could be the day. This could be the hour. This could be the day that Jesus Christ comes again. That's how he exited life. Well, one of these days we will, and if we know the Lord, we can exit his glory as he did. There's a third and final thing. When I think about all that God's done in Elijah, and I think about all that his life has meant, you can't stop without mentioning this. There's not only how Elijah ended his life, and not only how Elijah exited life, but I want you to notice how Elijah emanated life. What do I mean by emanated life? See, when Elijah left this world in verse 11, Elijah did not die in one sense. Elijah's life had produced life. Elijah's life continued on. For you see, through this whole closing days of his life, there's been another voice that keeps popping up. It's the voice of Elisha. He'd been with him now for these years. And Elisha, 
had been chosen by God to take the place of Elijah. And now the life of Elijah comes to an end, but the life of Elijah goes on on this earth. His, one, his, his, his time on earth comes to a conclusion, but it's not his life. It continues to go on and produce and to live on in Elisha. I don't know about you, but when it's all said and done, now think with me, one of these days we're going to leave this world. It may be by the way of grave. It may not be by the way of translation. It may be by the way of grave. But I want to live my life, and I want to follow God and serve God and die with glory in my soul. So when it's all said and done, I go out the same way I got in this thing. And I end up the same way it started. But there's something else I want when it's all said and done. When I'm gone and I become a memory, I want to live on in somebody else. And I want somebody else that goes on serving God. Another Elisha that's hearing God. Another Elisha that's knowing God. Another Elisha that's where God is real in his life. Going on because of my time on earth. Like Moody said, the only memorial that he wanted when his life was over was one walking on two legs. And when you leave this world, when it comes to the final chapter of your life, don't you want your life to live on in somebody else? Don't you want your life to have an impact on somebody so when you're gone, there's somebody else out there that is going on serving God because of your life? For example, you look at Elijah and Elisha. I think about what Elijah taught Elisha, number one. From the time that he cast his mantle on him, he began a process of teaching Elijah. Elisha, every day they were together, he was pouring himself into Elijah. Elisha. He was teaching Elisha what it is to walk with God. He was teaching Elijah how to hear God. He is teaching Elijah the importance of following God, submitting to the Word of God. There was all the things that Elisha learned from his protege, Elijah. But not only what he taught Elijah, Elisha, but how he touched Elisha. I see this in verse 9. The Bible said it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And this is what Elisha said. I pray thee let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. It's very obvious in the kind of request that he had that he had saw something in Elijah. His life had been affected by Elijah. His life had been touched by by Elijah. And when it's time to bring the life of Elijah to a close, you know what Elisha wants? He wants to be just like Elijah. But he only wants to have more of what Elijah's had. Let me have a double portion. Just like the double portion, like we looked at uh, Esau on Sunday, receiving twice the inheritance. He said, let me have twice what you've known in your life. I've seen God in you. I want to see him twice as much as you've seen him. It's interesting when you look at the life of Elisha that Elijah performed eight miracles. Elisha performed 16 miracles. God gave him what he wanted, but his life had been touched by Elijah. Now, let me ask you something. You're living your life right now, good or bad. You're living your life now, and somewhere you're going to come to the concluding chapter. Somewhere you're going to, there's going to be the author, the divine author, is going to write the end as far as this life is concerned. But on the way, whenever that time is, I want to ask you tonight, is there anybody, anybody, whose life 
has been touched by your life and influenced for God? Let me ask you this. Don't respond to him in any way. But is there anybody going to go to heaven because you're going to heaven? Is there anybody you can point to and say, that individual will live in heaven one day because of my life? I know ultimately God is the Savior. But have you lived in such a way that you influence them? Have somebody somewhere, have you had the opportunity because you were committed to God and willing to go and you went somewhere and you knocked on the door or somewhere you took the Bible and you showed somebody how to be saved and as a divine or as a human vessel, God used you to win that person to Christ and one day they'll be in heaven because of your life. That's the way you want to live your life. So when it's all said and done, your life goes on in the life of somebody else. Your life doesn't end in in an earthly sense, but it goes on in somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. You're living the way you live, touching somebody, somebody looking at you and seeing God in your life and seeing what God's doing in your life and being challenged and inspired by what they see. And your life influencing someone else and touching somebody else. So when it's all said and done, you'll go on and live for God and there'll be others to live for God. I was doing a little chapter this week in a project that I'm working on for Ambassador Emerald House where I do day by day by day. And I, which each day I take a date and something that happened on that day and, and then build a devotion out of it, one for each day of the year. And I came across the one... Uh, uh, the death of John Bellucci, who died of a drug overdose, and uh, began to read about it and the details behind it, and a mixture of heroin and cocaine. Some friends he wanted to go a little further than he'd ever been before, and and the mixture there caused his breathing to begin to slow down, and eventually died of a respiratory failure. Read about how Dan Aykroyd, dressed in a black leather jacket and black jeans on a motorcycle, led the funeral procession to Martha's Vineyard, to a cemetery on Martha's Vineyard. And that day as the snow began to fall, James Taylor sang that lonesome road. I read that and I remembered it so well. And the reason I remembered it so well was because I just come from the funeral of a preacher. Some of you may know him. His name was Bubba Key. And I just left his funeral, got in the car, turned the radio on, and the news was telling about it, and they sung that lonesome road. And I thought, what a contrast to what I have just come from. I just walked out of a church service that was packed. Preachers from all over the country, young men whose lives had been changed through Bubby, worked with the boys' boys' home for all all of his life, and there was people standing up all over the building. They'd ask them to stand. Who called to preach under Bubba? And they stood up all over the building. How many young men got saved under Bubba Key? And men were standing up all over the building. And everybody stood up that day and we sung, the, we sung Heaven's Jubilee. Shouted and sang as we stood and, sh- and sung Heaven's Jubilee. Sad because another friend was gone, but rejoicing that he was with the Lord. And I thought, what a contrast. From that lonesome road to heaven's jubilee. But I think about our lives and how we live them and the difference. When it's all said and done, it's not a lonesome road. There will be someone with us. But when I say goodbye, may there be this one and that one who lives on. And my life lives on in somebody else. 
Elijah, that's the way he lived. And when it was all said and done, they kept on. And pardon me, but I can't help but think, but somebody said, there goes Elijah Jr. As he kept on going, his life lived on. That's how you want to end it all up. Isn't that right? Living for God. Take your prayer sheet tonight. Look at it. We're going to come in just a moment and ask the Lord to work these truths into our life. But look at our prayer sheet tonight. Let's remember these things again. We want you to be praying for the upcoming events, our family conference. We want God to really bless it and strengthen our families. Hope that all of you participate. Our new construction, again, as I mentioned earlier, let's begin praying God will bless it. All the other activities coming up, a special emphasis that we'll give on Easter this year, Mother's Day, which is our big, big outreach day, and a lot of things planned. All these things we'll be praying for. Our missionary of the week is Aaron and Debbie Carr. This is uh, Bill and Cindy Murdoch's daughter, Debbie. You remember her. And they're now in... Uh, uh, no, this is not the one. This, is it Aaron and Debbie Carr? That's not it. Is that, that the one? Yeah, that's the one. They're in uh, uh, language school. It says Peru. I believe they're actually in Costa Rica. That's what threw me off. But they're in language school. And we want to be praying for them and asking the Lord to bless them and help them as they learn the language and then the Church of the Week is Red Cross Baptist Church in Greensboro, just really outside of Greensboro, Pastor Bud Rao. That's not Bud Rowe, but it's Bud Rao. And uh, he's been to our conference many times. That's a great church. Let's pray for Bud tonight at Red Cross Baptist Church. And then our hospitalists. We had a couple that went home today. Marvin Hughes went home today. And uh, Brandon Barry went home this afternoon. But I uh, want to continue to pray for him. But also want to remember Alex Paget. Alex is at Memorial Hospital and they've requested no visitors for a while. He's so weak that he really, what he needs right now is rest. He began dialysis this afternoon. Many of you know that Alex, uh, that his kidneys have uh, ceased working really. They have shrunk and they found out today and they believe that it's due to, uh, he had strep back and, and that got into his kidneys and, and uh, they're going to, they began dialysis. They had to take it three times a day and uh, maybe they may uh, be putting him on a uh, transplant, transplant list. So it's very, very serious. But let's remember Alex. And, of course, Barbara Cole Memorial Hospital will be praying for her, Bobby's daughter, and we continue to lift her up. Billy Jackson and Kenneth McEwen at, at Erlanger Hospital, Edna Gravely at Life Care, and then Roy Phipps' stepmother, Fanny Phipps, at, at Park Ridge Hospital. I want to remember her. Then Erlanger, Larry Camp, someone told me tonight, Larry Camp Sr., uh, is at Erlanger Hospital and they're keeping him overnight. They thought there was some chest pains and whatever. And then I mentioned Bill Murdoch a while ago. Uh, Bill Murdoch's mother, Bill and Cindy are home right now. They're in Somerville with his mother and they want to remember her and be praying that the Lord would touch her. I want you to come and let's gather around the altar. Pray for Aaron and Debbie. Pray for Red Cross Baptist and uh, Bud Rao. And pray tonight that God let you live your life so when it's time to go home, you'll be able to say, I have finished my course, I've run my race, and I've fought a good fight. Let's come gather around the altar. Let's pray for all these things. Let's pray for the Lord's Day. Let's pray that God will do some wonderful things for us on Sunday. That God will just touch us and just bless and move in a very special way. Let's just look to the Lord. Let's believe in the power of prayer. Let's trust the Lord for things. And Excited about the future, excited about where the Lord is leading. Let's pray God now just continue to bless and continue to move in all of these things. Let's just trust the Lord. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, we pray tonight for Aaron and Debbie.
pray you bless them. Help them now in language school. I pray you help them to learn the language. I pray that Debbie uh, grew up in the country, that all of it would come back to her easily. Aaron, now as he learns it all, I pray you bless them. And prepare them now for the work that you're going to do through them in Central America. Bless the work of God throughout Central America. Pray tonight for Brother Bud. Thank you for him, his friendship through the years. Thank you for his church. And I pray, Lord, you bless it tonight. May the hand of God be upon them and do wonderful things. Thank you for the stability of his church and the love and the care of his church. Just bless them, Lord, as they reach out to others and bless the ministry there. Father, tonight we pray for our folk in the hospital. We pray that you touch them and meet their needs. Pray for Alex. You know what's going on in his life. We pray for him. For Barbara. We pray, Lord, for her salvation. We pray for her physical recovery. We continue to lift her up to you. And we're trusting you, Lord, for a work of God to be experienced in her life. For the others in the hospital, for those that have gone home this week, be with them. Help them to recover. Continue to meet every need. I pray, Lord, you just bless. And for the many names that are listed here and the reasons they are listed, loved ones of our church family, be with them, Lord, and touch them. Father, bless us here now. Bless us on the Lord's day. More than anything in the world, we want to see that you're real. God, I pray you'd part Jordans for us around here every Sunday. I pray, dear Lord, that you'd meet needs here every week in the hearts of your people. God, just touches and blesses in all that we do. Help us, Lord, to do more for missions and get the gospel out. Thank you for what you've allowed us to do. Thank you, Lord, for last year and the record year you gave us. And I pray, Lord, you continue to bless us in the coming year to do even more. We thank you, Lord, for just in the past few years how you have just seemingly blessed us in marvelous ways. And we ask you to continue. It's the result of years and years of praying on the part of many here. And we continue to ask you, God, to bless us. And continue, Lord, help us to have a burden and, and to pray until revival comes and the blessing of the Lord falls upon us in a unique way. Touch us here, Lord. Bless on the Lord's day. Sunday night. Bless tomorrow night our faith teams as they come and they go out for the first night. Make it a fruitful night for them. And I pray you do something in the heart of everyone and make, Lord, help them tonight, tomorrow night to find the joy in serving you that they've never found in any other way. But bless our faith teams as they go out tomorrow night and the many, many who are participating this semester. Bless them. All the things that are going on, Lord, we bless and lift up our projects that you bless them. Again, Lord, we just want you to be honored in all that we do. And, Father, we just want to follow you in all that we do. So, God, just bless. Now, thank you again for your love and your grace. Thank you for saving us, cleansing us of our sins. Help us, Lord, to listen to you every day of our life. And may we end this life and close out and leave this world. God still being in charge of our life and still being real. In Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. It's good to have you all here tonight. Come back Sunday. Everybody bring somebody with you. Invite your friends and family, and let's come back on the Lord's Day expecting God to give us a great time. You're dismissed.